game Infamous and its sequel, you can play as either a good guy or a bad guy. Maybe a mix of both, but you really only get the rewards if you're one extreme or the other. Welcome to Top Score from Classical Minnesota Public Radio. I'm Emily Rees. Composer Jim Dooley contributed to both soundtracks. He wrote different music for all the outcomes. A string quartet is pretty much one of the only recognizable sounds from the organic world, especially in Infamous 2. In a city full of superheroes, though, the organic is kind of uh, deceptive anyway. And the Infamous games do play out like graphic novels. There are comic book cutscenes and men and women with supernatural powers. Jim Dooley also wrote the music to a pretty great TV show called Pushing Daisies that's actually back on the air now. And we'll also talk about a couple of his other cool projects, too. a little bit about getting involved in the very first infamous game. You know, I'd been working with the, the fellas up at Foster City there on uh, Sony for some time now since uh, my first game with them was SOCOM 3. Okay. U.S. Navy SEALs. Yep. And it's great because they're all like musicians and to this day my very close friends. You know, oh, good. We spend time with each other when we're not working. Oh, that's nice. It's nice to have somebody you can trust. You know, Jonathan Mayer really was the king shepherd on all of this and it really was about bringing people together to play to their strengths. Mm-hmm. We did these like little sketches where like Jonathan gave me like loose ideas with loose parameters and like start something like this. I'm like, okay, I don't know what he means, but the point is like, don't give someone the answer, see where they take it. And that's yes. where all the good stuff comes. So I would do these things. I'm like, I don't know. Is this kind of what you're thinking? He's like, okay, great. And then he <laughs> would give it to Galactic. They would do stuff. And then we would write stuff for the Turlown String Quartet. And then they, they would mm-hmm. do some stuff on top of it. And it was like, at the end, it was so much greater than you could imagine because we we spent a lot of time in the studio messing around. And that's a long-standing tradition of where these good things come out. You know, yes. you'd set up and you'd do it until it was right. And that's where all the, all the great stuff in the score came from. bit of a role shift between the the type of music you wrote for the first game and the type of music you wrote for the second game? Yes, absolutely. The second one was much more experimental. Okay. The first one, I have started just kind of doing my thing. It's like, okay, we need the big hero mm-hmm. orchestral stuff, and it's like, that was easily handed to me. They're like, okay, well, mm-hmm. Jen's going to do that. And then yep. Amon's going to be like, okay, you're going to work on some of the action bits, and we still cross pollinated stuff yes. it was more like I, I knew I had to start with the thematic material for coal and mm-hmm. once we had all the thematic material from the first one it was like okay now we have all this so we did little 
string quartet versions of coal stuff and then gave it to Galactic to mess around with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So since we knew what we had, then we could start messing about with it. About, about using orchestra and string quartet and things like that. The guys who, I mean, Mads and, and Jeremy, the, the guys in the, the string quartet mm -hmm. are just really fantastic at taking an idea and taking it to another place. So much of the traditional orchestral literature means that the players don't really get to, aren't a great, like, improvisation. Right. But that's what these guys do. So we would okay. do very loose ideas mm -hmm. um, and I know enough about the orchestra to be lethal but <laughs> we're like we were like here's sketches and then ask the guys it's like what do you think now uh, we had a, a term for the second score which was and we wrote this into the orchestral parts we wrote FWI which uh, was to F with it okay <laughs> <laughs> seamless score, which, you know, I think there's some talent required on in the hands of the producers of the game to put together a team that can produce something like that. Yeah, but, that's uh, really Jonathan. Yeah. Um, was was because everything eventually went through their hands. Sure. Yep. Of getting it mixed and having all of all the elements got funneled through that because all of the elements were derived from. Uh, approaching it as a narrative structure like this is the story of Cole and this yes. is in, in, in the city this is nothing was too out there yeah. it was all related to the related materials so that if you start messing around like you took A, B and C and then added D to it and then mm -hmm. took B away mm -hmm. it would still work sure sure because it was all part of this the same one singular idea of telling the story of Cole about that. You don't need to tell me the story of Cole. I mean, I think I'm well aware of the story of Cole, but tell, I do want to know a little bit about your focused thematic writing in the second game um, mm -hmm. for people like Cole or Bertrand or uh, Lucy or, or anyone like that. Right. You know, it's like we played, I played Bertrand as more of, you know, we were thinking about that for a lot and it's like, well, he's, you know, because it's in New Orleans, mm -hmm. should it be, should it be that? It's like, no, I actually, he's played really much pretty Russian, yeah. you know, and which, which, yeah. which, which, which made him kind of like dangerous and a unique in a different way. It wasn't very obvious.
had a couple of projects that were nominated for Oscars, which is amazing. Oh, that's right, right. But I also want to talk about Pushing Daisies. That was that was a very special one for all of us. That show nearly killed me. Really? Just the, yeah. the amount of work? I mean, geez. Yeah, it was, uh, the schedule was every, I had to turn it over every six days. Oh, man. Because on the seventh, um, the morning of the seventh day of the week, I had yeah. watched next week's episode. Wow. And then in the afternoon, I'd, so I'd come back to work and like, okay, here are the samples that I need to let me, I need, for what I'm going to need for tomorrow, get my staff going on them. Yeah. And go to, and go to, the, to Henson. Wow. Studios yeah. and conduct the previous week's score, and then we'd start it all again. And I, it was, I'd have to, I can only do thirty seconds of that an hour, which meant it was a sixteen or seventeen hour writing day, six days a week. It was brutal, but I loved every minute of it. The super. What was the theme song? The, the jingle you wrote for Dick- oh, Dicker's Dicker's Department Stores, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is funny because the the girl who wrote it, Abby Gawanter, she wrote that episode "Window Dress to Kill." Okay. And her one of her friends that she grew up with, last name was Dicker's. Oh, how funny! So that's why she made it that. And so I'm like, I'm like, you know, it'd be great if I had a jingle. They're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote. I gave, I sent Brian Fuller the lyrics to that, and it's Dicker's. Yep. Department store, Dickers, come take a tour of Dickers department store because we've got all you want and more. And on the page, it really looks kind of, you know, stupid. It looks it looks really inane. Dickers, department store, Dickers, come in take a tour of Dickers department store because we have all you want and more. Tell me a little about, about these projects that, that uh, you received an Oscar nomination. Is that the, why am I thinking that's the wrong word? The, the shorts were nominated. Yes. The, the actual projects yes. were. Um, Correct. And the first one was, I, I worked on with the, the Buscashi boys mm-hmm. that, that uh, Aaron Asar and, and Sam French did. And this is a, I, that was a short documentary, correct? That was a short, short live action. Okay. Yes, it's short, anima, short animation subject, animated, and then short live action. Okay. Well, those are two very different worlds yes. to write in. Jeez. <laughs> very, very much. I mean, like, I, I was on Buscacci Boys for over a year. That whole score was about making, you know, doing this kind of artisan sound of but keeping it intimate that's why there's like the banging of the the metal from and the the forgery you see the the blacksmith working and i wanted to keep this kind of very artisanal repetition into it and keep it small like it's a story of these two kids and as soon as you layer too much on it it becomes saccharine yeah sure so it's like stay out of the way and Mm -hmm. just and just support you know which is diametrically opposed to the longest daycare (laughs) <laughs> which I worked on with, with Hans Zimmer, as you know, he's the credited composer. Mm-hmm. And that was more like, okay, we have two weeks. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, so that's yeah. why Hans brought me into it, because there's not a lot of time. Yep. Um, it takes so much to animate it, and then yep. it's like you have to support a, a baby's point of view. And this is something that Hans always said. He's like, you know, with kids, that if you take something away and they, and they start crying, it's like, you know, you, you try to tell them it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But to them, it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> So you have, to, you have to play these things with sincerity. Like when in the longest daycare, you think she's trying to protect, you know, this uh, 
gestating a caterpillar to become a butterfly. It's like, <laughs> this is a life or death situation. So you have to, you can't play it too comically. It has to be played with sincerity. I wrote the music for the, the Simpsons writing Universal Studios. Oh, okay. So I've worked with the Simpsons people for a long time and then worked mm -hmm. on the movie. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah. You worked on the Simpsons movie? Yes, well, oh. with, with Hans, yes. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, my God, I love that movie. <laughs> yes, so... Um, Spider-Pig, seriously? Sp I, I know. <laughs> I, it's funny, because when that came up, it's like, we were we were trying to find something. For, I wrote for that scene where he gets has his epiphany scene. <laughs> I wrote that for, for two years. Oh, man. And they're like, man. no, it's not right, it's not right. And they kept driving me nuts about it. And then at the very end, they did... Spider-Pig was not going into the movie. Really? Yeah, the Michael Levine wrote that, and then they're like, hey, why don't we put it over that epiphany scene that Jim can't get right? And then they're like, wow, that's great. I'm like, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. You've been... <laughs> it's been a challenge. I mean, really, I, d I don't want to tell you how many of those. It's like, wow, it's not sincere enough. It's not It's not funny. It's not... And then it's, well, now it's, it wasn't spider pig enough. It was what it really came down to. Look out, he is a spider pig. Thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate it. Anytime, Emily. Thanks for asking me how awesome I am. You've been listening to Top Score from Classical MPR. I'm Emily Reese, and I had help this week from Johnny Vince Evans. Upcoming shows include Kevin Ripple, who just wrote a fabulous score to Aliens, Colonial Marines, and also Gears of War. And I'm hearing rumors that I'll be speaking with Jason Graves about Tomb Raider soon. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr at Top Score Podcasts, and you can learn more about Top Score at classicalmpr.org slash topscore. There's also a link there for you to leave me feedback directly. done this in a while but uh i i never i never mind playing it because I, I which is the when i was the pushing daisies love theme which is funny because i the, the little bit of the, the just the opening was the original this was the original cue for lying in the dark when in lying in the dark, Chuck came to know why she's lying in the dark. When they're driving, driving her to her own funeral, and that's where that's where that this part originally came from. And that I was trying to, and I was trying to find so this kind of because I knew it was a, it needed to be a childhood theme, so that's why it has this. That they the kind of and that's and but needed that and 
that's where the wistful part comes in. And but she's dead. <laughs> it's got to be kind of. And then the fairy tale. Yeah. So that was, and it's it was amazing because I had no time to write these things. Uh, Barry Sonnenfeld kept calling me. He's like, "Hey, can you do the one where she's climbing on the wall?" I'm like, "Okay, right." You know. So that was the that. I'm like, okay, that one, and it's like, okay, we need the love theme, which was the hands against the wall cue, where I had to write the love theme for the first time, which didn't have the, didn't have that in that. So I'm like, okay, I gotta write this love theme. I'm like, I'll be playing this for a long time, it better be good. 